What I do at this time in the show from 10 to about 10.30 is I designate approximately 30 minutes to my special guest. We eliminate all the chatter with politics, personal opinions, and we have people with specialties. Like Christine Stevenson to the right here is an enrolled agent with the IRS. She'll be on December 3rd with her special segment. Right now, though, I've got C.J. Grisham in. And CJ, I know you had a specific topic you want to talk about. So why don't you go ahead? You got about, I don't know, nine minutes in this segment? Okay. So uh, one of the things that I'm going to try and uh, when I come in about once a month is talk about, uh, since you're a gun guy, what are the various laws relating to guns in different aspects? And of course, if there's something out there that you'd like me to discuss when I come in and talk on the show um, on a legal basis, feel free to send me an email, cj at fireduptxlawyer.com. CJ at FiredUpTXLawyer.com. You know, let me and, add to that, though, CJ. My special guests, when they come in for the day and are about to do this segment, are with me from the beginning of the show. They're my special guest host. But at this particular time, you zero in, focus in on yes. a particular topic. Okay. So, I'm, and I'm going to cover some legal issues, different legal issues as it relates to really whatever anybody wants to talk about. But I'm, I'm a gun specialist. I'm a, you know, I'm going to be starting up a Second Amendment law firm, and that's where I'm going to be focusing mostly. And so... I wanted to talk about, because this is an issue that I see a lot and I've actually been very busy with, and that is, um, you know, when I get arrested, or not even if I get arrested, but what happens to my firearm if my firearm gets seized for any reason whatsoever? Uh, It can be because... I'll tell you. The arresting officer puts it in his personal collection. That does happen. And I'll tell you why that happens. And that's what we're going to talk about, how how that can happen. if you go to the Code of Criminal Procedure, it talks in there about what happens to any and all evidence. And the Code of Criminal Procedure in Section 18 talks about search warrants of, of all various types. And in Section 18.19 is the disposition of seized weapons. And that's what I'm going to focus on today because, you know, when I when I got uh, arrested back in 2013 while hiking with my son, uh, they they seized my rifle and they seized my handgun both of which were legally carried that day it took me four years to get those back four years um and, and i bet you they didn't even clean them they didn't even clean them uh yeah they, they they wouldn't even let me come and inspect them and oil them just to keep them from rusting um and the reason it took four years i mean in all honesty is because we were appealing the judgment and if the appellate court had said we're going to reverse and remand back to the trial court, then they would have to retry me again a third time. And they need, they need that stuff as evidence. So they didn't want to give it back to me if there was a possibility of them having to use it as evidence. So that's kind of, that's a more extreme example. Obviously if your, if your firearm is taken and you want it back sooner, don't appeal if it's part of the evidence. Now, if it's not a part of the evidence, let's say for example, you are arrested for, I don't know, DUI. And it just so happens that you have a firearm in the vehicle. That firearm has nothing to do with the crime that you are 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 being accused of. Um, the firearm didn't cause the police officer to pull you over. It was sort of incident to the arrest. So that's different. Those kinds of things don't take four years. You can get that back pretty quickly because it has. It's just all it is is seized property. So weapons that are seized in connection with an offense involving the use of a weapon under chapter 46, which is the the code that talks about who can carry a weapon, how you can carry a weapon, where you can carry a weapon. Those are held by law enforcement unless, uh, unless they are, it's a prohibited weapon 
or the weapon is stolen. And generally, that's those are the two main objections. Uh, and, of course, if you become a prohibited person. So if your weapon's seized and the weapon is stolen or it's a prohibited weapon, you're probably not going to get that gun back because it is stolen. It's not yours. Or you're not supposed to have it in the first place. Uh, you know, I use that in quotation marks because I don't think there's a such thing as a prohibited weapon under the Constitution. But we've created that under the laws, the unconstitutional laws that we have. So when a weapon is seized for any reason, even if it's you, here's the here's the interesting thing. It doesn't matter if, for example, in my case, I was arrested because I was carrying the gun. The gun was central to my case. Even though I was carrying it legally, the gun was central to the case and it was used as evidence at trial. Even if, well, I was, even though I was convicted of interference um, and fined, not jailed, but fined, even though I was convicted of the crime in which the weapon was central, I still had a right to have my gun back, even though I was convicted. So a conviction doesn't mean that law enforcement or the courts or anybody can keep your firearm, even if you're convicted, except, again, in certain circumstances. Now, if it's a conviction under Chapter 46, um, there are different provisions that the court may be able to keep your firearm. Because if you're if you're already violating gun laws and you're convicted of violating gun laws, they're probably going to fight getting you that back because you haven't proven that you could be responsible under that, but it, almost anything else, you're, you're entitled to have your gun back. So, what do you do? How do you do that? And section Article 18.19 of the Code of Criminal Procedure lays out a very specific way to do this, and a lot of people don't know this. And the courts have a duty when your gun is seized as well to inform you of these rights, but they don't. In many cases, I've seen many, many times where this doesn't happen. So. Under subsection C of 1819, it says that if there, there is no prosecution or conviction for, an, for any offense involving the weapon seized, the magistrate to whom the seizure was reported shall, okay, there's a, that's an important word. When you look at law, you want to look at two, two, two words, may and shall, especially as it relates to the courts, because if you see a may there, that means that the judge has discretion. If you see a shall there, as we're about to read, that means the judge has no discretion. It doesn't matter if he's an anti-gun judge or a pro-gun judge. The law says he will do what I'm about to say. So, no, says, no, CJ, that, that's a big thing because sometimes you look at a judge and go, what are you doing? What are you doing? But you've got to understand if you're going to push people, you can't be a hypocrite and say, why did you do this? The law says I can't do that whether I want to or not. I've right. got to be obedient to the law. And there's a lot of irony in the fact that here they are enforcing the law against you and then violating it themselves. And I'm going to give you an example after I, I read this of how I'm dealing with that issue right now. So the magistrate shall order the weapon returned to the person that, that had it before the 61st day after the magistrate receives a request from the person. So you see how they kind of wrote that? So they've got 61 days, well, 60 days really because it's before 61. The magistrate has 60 days to return the firearm, but you have to request it. All right. If you don't request it, guess what? You're not getting your gun back. So don't think that just because, well, crap, I got convicted of this DUI or I got convicted of this interference or I got convicted of this uh, trespass that I, I guess I'm not going to get my gun back. That's false. You will. You can. You just got to ask for you it. You got to ask for it. Uh, fine print. Sir. Yes. 
And then if the weapon is not requested by 60 days, so you have 60 days to do this request. If you don't ask for your, your gun, and it doesn't have to be anything special, all you've really got to do is write to the court. You can have an attorney do it. I do these all the time. I write these letters for people all around the state. Um, and I've been successful in every single attempt except one, which I'm going to talk about. And it's one that's ongoing right now. If the weapon is not requested before the 61st day, in other words, within 60 days, the magistrate shall before the 121st day. So keep in mind, you request the gun. They have 60 days to give it back to you. You don't request the gun after 120 days. The magistrate can order that the weapon be destroyed or turned over to law enforcement for their purposes, i.e. what you said. It becomes a part of their personal collection. Now, generally what they'll do is they'll they'll what they're supposed to do is they'll generally auction it off to FFLs and let them sell it if no police officer decides he wants it for his personal collection. So there, there's the, the sort of progression of how things work. If, if they dismiss your charges, immediately demand to have your gun back. It says request, but it's a demand because there, there's no discretion there. Now, what happened down in, uh, down in Houston, which is a case I'm dealing with right now, is a guy was pulled over for speeding initially, uh, was, was pulled over for speeding, and um, I think they found him, they, what they thought was, because they did a search of his vehicle, which he allowed, ladies and gentlemen, don't ever consent to a search of your vehicle, ever. While you're there, let me make a comment. If the if I go to the officer and say, officer, respectfully, are you asking me or are you commanding me? Because if you're asking me, I respectfully say no. If you're commanding me, by all means, I will oblige. No, no, never. Even if they're commanding you, never agree to it. Now, I mean, don't physically impede, but just because they demand something doesn't mean they have the authority to demand it. And so even if he says, well, I don't care what you think, I'm going to search. If you don't invoke your right to say, I do not consent to this search it's going to be a little bit more difficult to fight in court because the officer can say, well, you allowed me to. Interesting. Yeah. So never, ever, under any circumstances, agree. No matter what he tells you, no matter what he threatens you with, never, ever. And this is a big thing I think we have to say, CJ. We are extremely pro-law, pro-badge. Yes. I'm <clears throat> telling you, even though it may sound from time to time that we're hitting on it, it's because we cannot be hypocritical we've got to keep ourselves in check they've got to keep themselves in check and we got to keep each other in check right and so what happened in this case was the officer apparently found what they call shake um which is the residue or it's it's parts of what he thinks is drugs uh marijuana when in fact what it turned out to be was just grass clippings is what was on the floorboard of this car. But they call it shake, and that's one of their reasons or ways that they get probable cause and all that kind of stuff. So the case was thrown out. Um, obviously, there was no – it wasn't drugs. Um, they didn't charge him with anything else other than this unlawful possession of a firearm because they thought, oh, he's got drugs in the car, he's got a gun, unlawful possession. Everything was thrown out. Well, um, immediately I was contacted. I sent a letter or a, a formal motion to the court to restore this property. Under section 18.19. Keep in mind, the judge has no authority to say, nah, it's not even a normal motion. It's an ex parte motion, which means I just bring it to the court. There's no opposing party there. There's no one that can argue against me because it's literally just me asking the court to obey the law and do its job. And as I've said, in every single case, I've gotten the gun returned. Well, this judge down in Houston is an incredibly anti-gun judge. Uh, he's an extremely left-wing, Soros-funded judge. 
Um, I went down there. I argued my motion. And the first thing he said was, are you done? I said, yes, Your Honor. And he says, well, I don't care. There's no way in hell he's getting his gun back. Now, I asked him immediately to, okay, if you'll just sign that order, because I gave him the order. I was like, if you just sign that, deny it, I'll just get my appeal started. Well, he still hasn't signed the order, so I have nothing to appeal yet. So there, anyway, it does happen. Uh, but again, this is one out of about seven of these that I've done. And uh, most of the time, the judges are very good about, okay, I know I can't keep it, and they're going to return it. Um, so if you have a problem with your firearm, if your firearm is seized for any reason, even if the firearm itself is the, the purpose of the um, the arrest, i.e. unlawful carry, you know, maybe you're open carrying, but you don't have your gun in a holster. I mean, that's a that's an issue, too. Then um, you you can most likely get your gun back, even if you're convicted of the crime for which you're arrested. You're entitled to have your gun back. Um, and that's pretty much what I wanted to say. If uh, it just if you don't request it, though, you are waiving your rights. Well, look, we're going to go to a three minute break. When we come back, I want to talk to you about the judge. You have tremendous amounts of judges out there who are loyal to the cause. Then you have some that blatantly do things that are just off the wall. What's the procedure for getting rid of people like that because they need to go? We'll be back in three. but your finances shouldn't be. How have you weathered the storms of life these past two years? I am Melinda Bowles of Bowles Financial Group, an independent firm helping my community with financial services for over 23 years. Our focus is on you, your goals, your dreams, and developing a lasting relationship with you. Let us help navigate your financial journey to achieve balanced money, balanced life. Visit our website at BowlesFinancialGroup.com. That's B-U-L-L-S FinancialGroup.com to get started with your unique client relationship journey. Hello, I'm Dr. Cole. If it's COVID care or wanting to safely get off medications, we look forward to serving you soon. I want to keep you healthy. From COVID care to safely getting off medications, we are committed to your health. Call Denise at 254-773-8339 or visit us at healthysuccessworks.com. Ma's Place is something of a surprise. It's a cute little cafe that offers a full menu of mouth-watering home-cooked meals for dine-in or takeout. Vicki carries on a long tradition of serving the best food at a reasonable price. Give them a call at 254-699-0011 or stop in at 139 West Veterans Memorial Boulevard in Harker Heights. You won't be disappointed. Stuff happens, and when it does, you need to be prepared. Sentex Tactical right here in Temple has got you covered. A veteran-owned business that strives to provide great gear at great prices. From military, police, and medical gear to your very own bug-out bag and more. Check out Sentex Tactical at 2122 West Adams Avenue or check them out on the web at SentexTacticalGear.com. Get Sentex Tactical, 254-231-3583. 
If you're looking to reduce pain and stress, enhance recovery and appearance, or improve your overall wellness, then you need Ashai. Ashai is a health and wellness center that focuses on addressing underlying causes and enriching your body's natural abilities. We offer cryotherapy, compression and red light therapy, IV infusions, and more. Call us at 254-947-0518 or visit ashaihealth.com. That's A-S-H-A-I health.com. had other plans and you were forced to fire who do you call what do you say will you be arrested will you be sued don't worry about the legal system for just twelve dollars and fifty cents per month members have access to a 24-hour legal hotline to assist you in the immediate aftermath of a self-defense gun use don't let the bad guys ruin your life go to selfdefensefund.com and join today Captain Mitchell Radio Program. Matt, your host. In with me today is C.J. Grisham, my guest host. I've got to the right of me, Christine Stevenson, enrolled agent with the IRS. I want to talk to her after the bottom of the hour. She's got some great info to put out there. Shelby's board operator doing a fantastic job. The Colonel, Rafer Brown, who's usually my partner in crime on a week-to-week basis, is under the weather, so we lift him up in prayer. Ask that he gets better quick and he can get back to what he loves to do best, and that's talk constitution. But right now, CJ, we took a break. If you want to be on the program, 254-697-6633. Last break, we were talking about judges who do a good job and then those who don't, and those are the ones that need to get out because they're not sticking to their oath, they're not sticking to the law, they're going based on personal emotion. Yeah. And there are several ways to attack that. Um, the the first is, of course, reporting the judge to the State Commission on Judicial Conduct. Now, what I have found from personal experience, um, and I hate to keep going back to personal experiences, but you know, I had a judge in my case that during our trial literally called me and my wife local yokels and said that if he had his way, he would throw us and my kids in jail to teach us how to be good parents. Gee, not too prejudiced there. No, not at all. So, you know, of course, we went to the State Commission on Judicial Conduct. That's incredibly egregious. That's, you know, his job is not to decide whether or not I'm a good parent. His job is to make sure that I get a fair trial. The State Judicial Commission came back and said, yeah, those were pretty egregious comments, but you know, we're going to let him keep his job. and They play poker together once a month. Yeah. So, you know, that's that's one way. The Another way, and this is something that I'm learning a lot about, because if you can't count on the State Commission on Judicial Conduct to handle these judges, you know, there's only really two ways to handle them, and that is you vote them out. I mean, you can try to get them impeached by, if they're a county judge by the uh, county commissioner's court, they can be impeached. Um, or you can go after their bond. And eventually, if you and that's that's what I'm learning a whole lot about right now is how to go after because you can't really sue a judge. They have what's called absolute immunity, um, and you can't you definitely can't sue a judge for the decisions he makes as a judge. No matter how wrong about that. Look, yeah. there's there's mistakes that can be made. Yes. There are decisions that have to be made, but all in accordance to the law. It's the ones that go personal. 
and they have a prejudice towards you and it comes out blatantly, those are the ones we need to take care of. And and here's the problem with that. The problem with that is even in those cases, the law protects judges. It it, it literally allows them to have these personal biases. Now they can be disciplined and again they can be voted out or impeached, but that's you're asking the political machine to to address the political machine. And to do something about it. And you're forcing the judge not to be verbal about it, but he can still think it right. and make the decision. So there is a very, very narrow exception under Section 42 U.S.C. 1983. So 1983 is the... I know that one. Yeah, you know that one. So that's that's where, you know, abuse of authority under color of law. For judges, and, and this case came up, or this uh, new law came about because of uh, what's called the Allen case, where a judge was sued for injunctive relief um, because he was not you know he didn't sue him for anything else other than the fact that he wanted the judge to do the right thing and and the court to order the judge to do the right thing and after this case where the supreme court found yeah you can sue a judge for injunctive relief they changed 1983 congress did and the only time now you can sue a judge under 1983 is if there's no what's called declaratory or injunctive relief available if there's nothing else you can do, like a writ of mandamus or an appeal or, you know, the judge makes a decision that's that's not appealable, um, that you have no recourse on, then you can sue for injunctive relief. But it's but very few things that judges do are not appealable. CJ, do you feel that the rules that are in place are because they're necessary or because they're protective or a combination of the two? I, I think it's a combination of the two. Um, initially, you know, judges need to be protected from the decisions they make. I mean, you don't want a guy who just got convicted of murder who, you know, suing the judge because, yeah, oh, you know. I it, totally agree, yeah. Yeah, and, and just like a police officer, you don't want everybody suing the police for detaining them mm -hmm. under false arrest pretenses when they're just doing their job. Yeah, but you see, if you got somebody who looks at the, the charges brought up, and they are honest and decent and to the book, and they'll look at these charges and say, no, this is ridiculous. It needs to go. But if an honest uh, judge or whoever's looking at the case goes, there's merit to this, and we need to go here. Because we're not here to bash judges. We're not here to bash law enforcement. We're not here to bash anybody. We're here to make sure that people stay within their, their lane. And, and, I, and I don't want anybody to confuse anything I say with me badging law enforcement or judges. I'm speaking about specific incidents with specific individuals. And um, the only thing that I, I generalize is that, yes, these things are done for, for proper purposes. They, they're necessary. But also, as we found with the changing of 1983, Congress did this to protect judges because it, it, there was a sliver of hope to get to a judge under 1983. And they made that sliver even more of a sliver, more difficult. To, to be able to handle that. This is comparable, it might be comparable to the uh, pharmaceutical companies. They make these drugs, they yeah. barely get tested, but you can't sue them, even if it kills half the population. Right. Because and that, they're paying backdoor dollars. Exactly. And unless you can prove, so even with the vaccines, uh, they because they've been given immunity from being sued, what's interesting is you can't, uh, no, Congress can't waive immunity for absolute negligence. And we're starting to learn now that these pharmaceuticals knew and they're admitting that they didn't even test this stuff to find out how it would affect children or how it would affect men or how it would affect pregnant women. They didn't do any of these tests, and that's negligent in the medical field. And you can still sue. These people can still be sued for negligence. Now, they can't be sued for damages because they took the drug, 
uh, because they've been given immunity. But if they, if a plaintiff can prove that it was, it was through, uh, blatant negligence that they released this drug knowing that it had all these problems without informing people. And evidence is coming out like crazy. It is. And you're going to start seeing a lot of lawsuits because there is a civil basis for lawsuits against these companies uh, now that we can start seeing that th- this was intentional. You know, and you you can't waive intentional torts. Um, and if you intentional, uh, if you intentionally release something that you know is dangerous, that's yeah. I, I said negligence. It's it's no longer negligence. Uh, so it's a whole different ballpark as well. So it's just like intentional. You know how um, there's that respondeat superior, which is where if an employee of a company hurts someone, you can hold that company accountable because they're in the employ of you know that trucking company or whatever that that ran you off the road. But if a an employee is uh it's an intentional tort whereas you know he intentionally ran you off the road it wasn't just negligence if he intentionally runs you off the road the company can't be held responsible for that that person can and so there you know there's all kinds of weird legal things to that but to get to get back to this real quick the um even if you're convicted so i talked about chapter 46 which is uh you know unlawful carry so even if you're convicted of a chapter 46 Offense, which is generally unlawful carry, um, carrying into a place where weapons are prohibited, things like that. Once you're convicted or and you're and you're adjudicated, you still can get your gun back if you haven't been convicted of a Chapter 46 violation before. So you kind of get like a okay, you might have made a mistake. You know, you walked into um, you accidentally walked into a polling place with a gun uh, because you forgot to put it back in your car or something, and you get convicted of that. Okay, the the law says we'll waive it. You still have to request your gun within the sixty days. If you don't, the judge has one hundred and twenty days. If the judge doesn't order the gun destroyed, the police department can ask the judge after one hundred and twenty days to to seize the firearm and keep it for their purposes. And so, you know, I got no problems with that at all. Other than they don't make it clearly available to you that all you have to do is ask for it. Right. Now, here here are some exceptions. So, obviously, you've got to do it before the 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 sixty the well by, in sixty days. You can't have been previously convicted under Chapter Forty Six. It can't be a prohibited weapon, also. And if you're convicted, the it can't occur on the premises of a playground, a school, a video arcade, or a youth center, um, because that you don't get a second chance there. So, like, a polling place would be a second chance, but if you accidentally, quote-unquote, carry a gun into a school and you get convicted of that, you're not going to get your gun back. That's that's an exception under the law. And the court determines based on prior criminal history of the defendant or based on circumstances surrounding the commission offense that possession of the seized weapon would pose a threat to the community or one or more individuals. So this is where they have discretion, the courts. Anywhere else, they don't have discretion. But if it's a Chapter 46 offense... And it's only your first one. The court can say, "Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna let you go." If it's the second chapter forty six offense, you you, you know the court doesn't have that discretion. But the court can also say, "You know what? You carried this gun into a polling place. You made a very big deal about it. You know, maybe uh, you you've got postings on Facebook or the evidence comes to light that you've threatened other people. There's a you know all kinds of allegations out there. But for some reason, the the evidence shows." That based on your prior criminal history or the circumstances around the conviction, you know, maybe you intentionally went into that polling place just to cause a scene. 
Well, the judge can very well say, yeah, you're not getting your gun back in those kinds of and but that's specifically to a chapter 46 offense almost everything else you get your gun back so um and then last but not least here is if if the person's found in possession of the weapon well never mind I, i've already covered all that stuff so and they can only sell it back to a licensed dealer if, if the police department's going to sell it the proceeds um, are split up. The court gets the court costs. The police department gets the rest of the costs, and it's sold to an FFL. Fantastic. CJ will be here for the rest of the show. We've killed this particular segment. Be back in three minutes. 254-697-6633. If you've got any questions, feel free to give us a call.